Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. And my guest today is my new friend and total badass rock climber, Dylan Barks. Dylan is not a professional climber, at least not yet. He's one of those dark horses who you probably haven't heard of, despite him climbing at an incredibly high level. I connected with Dylan while he was on a trip to Rocky Mountain National Park, which turned out to be a wildly successful trip for Dylan. He made quick work of Top Notch and the Wheel of Chaos and the Wheel of Chaos Direct, and he put down White Noise at Wild Basin, which was his hardest boulder at the time at V14-15. And about two weeks after this interview, Dylan climbed his first V16 with an ascent of Creature from the Black Lagoon at Upper Chaos. Dylan also climbs really hard on a rope. He's climbed a handful of classic 514Cs at the Red River Gorge, including Lucifer and Golden Ticket and Southern Smoke, and also Southern Smoke Direct, which is his hardest route to date at 514D. And earlier this spring, he was on a trip to Vegas and climbed a route called Arrested Development, which is 514C or D, depending on who you ask, on his second try. We talked about all of that in this interview, and we did a geeky deep dive into Dylan's training and how he prepared for his trip to Rocky and how he uses a spray wall for basically 95% or more of his training. Dylan has a really simple and focused approach to training and had a ton of really good nuggets to share that I think serve as really good reminders for people like me and probably for the rest of us as well. We also got into some of the real human stuff in this conversation. Dylan started climbing at a young age, at 12 years old, and had to take a year or two hiatus from climbing in his late teens due to an eating disorder that resulted in hospitalization and a really difficult recovery that Dylan reflects on as being the darkest period of his life. And we did talk about that and his recovery process quite extensively in this episode. So be warned if that is a subject matter that feels triggering for you at this time. Uh, this stuff is hard to talk about, and I know how hard it can be to listen to. And I want to thank Dylan again for being so open about it and for talking about the sword that cuts both ways, being such a driven person and athlete. And I will say before getting into the episode that Dylan's story really is one of the most inspiring stories I've heard for anyone who struggles with underfueling or disordered eating. It is, of course, an ongoing process, but Dylan really seems to have come out the other side, and he's stronger and healthier than ever, and is crushing rocks left and right, and climbing much harder than ever before. So, that's what we're getting into in today's episode. Thank you all for tuning in, and for the ongoing support of the podcast, and a warm welcome to all of the new listeners. It's really good to have you here. And I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with boulderer, sport climber, competitor, and dark horse, Dylan Barks. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. 
an ongoing learning. But yeah, process. that's yours. Okay. Little red light is on. Like I'm on like Joe Rogan or something. A <laughs> 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 little bit, a uh, little bit lower production quality. A little cheaper setup than Joe's. No, this is sweet. But also, I love your van. Thanks, man. This is rad. Yeah. yeah. My buddy Kevin Marquard. Shout out to him. He did an amazing job. Really. Dirtbag yeah, conversions yeah. in uh, Bend, Oregon. If anyone wants to get their van built out. Dirtbag conversions. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's uh, like the opposite of dirtbag conversions, right? It's like it's very classy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel uh, I feel calm in here. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, me too. I really like this space. I like how open it turned out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Have you thought about jumping on the van life thing? Mm, my fiance and I have like thought about it. Yeah, you know, as just like, oh, it'd be so cool to have a van and be able to travel and yeah. Um, so I totally would. Um, I think it would make projecting and climbing a whole lot easier. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just be able to have everything you need, like right there. Sleep um, in a real bed. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely not like, I don't know, in the process of doing anything like that. Okay. Maybe, maybe a pipe dream at the moment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be yeah. sweet. I'm definitely inspired by things like this. Yeah. It seems like your, your life now is really centered around like targeted trips do you have a do you have a normal full time job? I forget. Um, I was working as a full time route setter in Michigan. Okay, um, and also in South Carolina. Okay. Um, right now I'm just in school at the moment. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but definitely this year I've been working on um, trying to yeah get outside more and trying to like I don't know find my I don't know find my groove outside and I think I'm slowly learning that that involves like giving myself, I don't know, more, just more time and like opportunities mm. to climb things. Um, and I'm slowly starting to see that like, if you just get somewhere and you settle in, you start to learn the rock and that like goes a long way. Um, yeah. So definitely this year I've been super like happy with, yeah, trying to take more trips and like also, you know, staying somewhere for longer. Mm. Um, Definitely, it's like crazy to look back and see like the first couple days of a trip, like thinking like, oh man, I've been training so hard. I'm going to come here and I'm just going to like kill it. Yeah. And then like, you know, if I look, I've been in Colorado for like two weeks now. If I look back and look at the first day, I'm like, oh, wow, I was like kind of off. I must have been tired. I'm like, I don't know. I just think the more that you kind of settle into something, mm -hmm. you just like, then you're able to find like your full potential uh -huh. right yeah get used to the the rock the conditions the altitude mm -hmm. all that stuff yeah just like letting it like soak in yeah. you know let your body adapt yeah and when you're talking about getting used to outdoor climbing that's coming from a background with like more of a competition focus i've definitely i've always been a little bit in both okay um but i think i definitely have placed a large priority on competitions kind of recently especially like as I was growing up as a kid like started climbing when I was 12 and um was able to make like youth worlds like my first year and so I was like wow. oh wow competition seems so cool and um <laughs> they've just like changed a lot over the years mm -hmm. um yeah and so I feel like they still definitely inspire me okay um and I still have yeah been competing pretty consistently but I've really I don't know. I've always gone to like the Red River Gorge um, from Michigan, which is like a six hour trip. And like, 
honestly, thanks to like my dad for always like taking me down there like every single weekend when the weather was good. How long was the drive? Mm, six hours. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's pretty um, solid. Yeah. So like I was, I've always been doing that, but I've never like committed to like longer trips. Mm. Um, besides one trip to Spain, that was like five weeks. Nice. And I think that was kind of like a, oh, wow. You can, if you give yourself time and opportunity, like, you know, stuff can happen for sure. Mm. But so, yeah, I've been always been like a little bit in both. Okay. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk with you about your preparation for this trip because it, it seems <laughs> at least to me that you're totally crushing it out here and of Thank course you. like when you meet someone for the first time you don't know like is this their normal you know or are they like performing really well for them but it, I, i've kind of looked into more of your climbing and it seems like you're you're really having a killer trip so far thanks yeah um, i appreciate it <laughs> awesome yeah i, I want to dig into how you prepared for it but before that, I want to ask you about one element of your preparation that I think you screwed up. And this mm. takes us back to a conversation we had about your hair. <laughs> can you can you tell me what your hair looked like a few weeks ago? Ooh, it was um, a lot longer than it currently is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think my uh, my screw up there was lack of sunscreen, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, when I yeah when I showed up, I had I don't know hair that was down to like my chin, and I don't know. I saw one picture of me with my hair kind of up in a bun or whatever, trying to get out of my get it out of my face, and I was like, maybe time for a haircut. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I don't know who. Yeah, maybe it's maybe the new haircuts helped me out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely maybe not the best move before hanging out in the alpine for two weeks right yeah right so drew mack connected us and um we had talked on instagram a little bit and so i watched some films of you on your instagram to get a feel of what you looked like mm -hmm. um and then when we met in person i didn't recognize you because you had this new haircut and i was looking for a guy with this like mane of long hair <laughs> and it sounds like you know with the long hair the back of your neck had not seen any sun in quite some time no it had not no no i saw you that day i think you had like a sunburn on the back of your neck already and then i saw you a few days later and it's just that classic like burned white flaky everything's peeling off like your skin's just rejecting this dead layer of burned skin yeah yeah it it was it was not good for sure yeah the back of my neck met the sun quite quite abruptly for sure <laughs> yeah i felt like uh daniel woods and whatever that real rock where he's oh his totally. face gets sunburned or whatever <laughs> like super super sunburned yeah it's easy mm. to underestimate the alpine i did the same thing i got pretty mm. toasted my first day up there it's a harsh place up there yeah yeah i think that's what makes it so cool but also like right mm -hmm. yeah and, you know seeing rock slides up there the other day you like kind of realize like the enormous like power it's got yeah like, i don't know you kind of forget about it and then things like that or a sunburn kind of like check you back in with it like oh this <laughs> this uh yeah this is a special place <laughs> right right and the air is nice and cool up there i was just like lounging in the sun and it was really comfortable temperature but you forget you're just getting annihilated by the sun mm -hmm. you're, you're a lot closer to it than we're used to i guess yeah yeah, yeah. i got a little reminder <laughs> <laughs> well cool let's dig into um some of your preparation. I'm, I'm curious how you prepare for a bouldering trip like this, um, how you balance that with preparation for sport climbing. You're very good at both and you've had really successful sport climbing and bouldering trips this year. Um, yeah. Was all your training and, and indoor climbing like targeted towards this trip? Did you, did you have specific goals for the trip? How did you prepare for it? 
Um, honestly, I I kind of treat my training like all in a similar fashion, I would say. Um, I do like to be able to go out and do both at like a level that I'm kind of happy with. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of that stems from um, just spray wall training, really. Mm. Um, I have a spray wall in our garage and that's where I do like pretty much most of my training. Um, so I think even for sport climbing, I'm focusing on hard bouldering mm. um, and like hard movement. Um, just like kind of making up problems that I feel are powerful, um, that I feel utilize a lot of like foot tension, things like that. Um, and I feel like that carries over quite well for both. Um, so for like a bouldering trip like this, I definitely was not, I still did a few like odd like circuits. Like I think a big part of my regimen is like 60 move circuits. Mm. Um, I love the way that feels just moving around the wall. I think it's like a great kind of like fitness trainer overall. Even if I'm bouldering, it just feels good to be able to link a lot of moves. But for a trip like this, I was like, okay, I need to focus on, you know, less of that, more like, you know, four to six move boulder problems and really just something that like, I don't know, making up boulders that I go from not being able to do to like being able to do. Mm. Um, and I think keeping kind of that like that simple mindset definitely like helped me prepare for a trip like this. Of just being like, if I go outside, I'm going to find something, and at first, I'm not going to be able to do it, but I want to get myself to be able to do it. So, yeah, kind of taking that mindset like in in the gym, like at my home wall, and being like, I'm going to make up this problem, this crimper problem, or something like that, or this jump that feels super hard, and just focus on it until I can do it, and then repeat the process. Wow. Yeah, I guess that's kind of like, yeah, part of how I think about just preparing. Yeah. I, I have a little note in, I have a um, a line in my notes here that just says training and then spray walls. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> I had looked at your Instagram. Yeah. And if you scroll down like that, is, you know, it's outdoor climbing, of course. And then the only real training content I saw was what I assume is the spray wall in your house. And then a different mm -hmm. spray wall that looked like it was in a more commercial gym yeah and then the tension board and that was mm -hmm. that was really all i saw so yeah i that's cool i did want to to ask you about that totally. is it just that limit bouldering process like is is it mostly i mean that and the circuits is it mostly mm -hmm. that because that's really interesting yeah i think i don't know i think a lot of like climbing training right now i think can all kind of be distilled down to like a spray wall like i think climbing on something like that gives you i don't know it gives you more than you think like i think you're also even if it's a 45 degree angle and you're just doing hard moves i think it's you know you're focusing on foot tension technique um i don't know i think climbing on a spray wall like that gives you just a wider range of skills that are kind of like, I don't know, distilled down into these like little boulder problems. And you kind of don't realize that you're training all of these things at once mm. instead of like piecing it apart. Like I need to hangboard for fingers or, you know, I need to, I don't know, be doing traverses or something for my footwork. I think a lot of that can be all kind of like compact into like these hard spray wall boulder problems. Hmm. Um, that's kind of how I've been training for, for a while now. 
Um, definitely like being from Michigan. Um, I think that's Bray while you were talking about is actually like the head coach of Plant Rock in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. Um, he built that in his garage. And oh, uh, yeah, it's built after this like spray wall in Minnesota called the A. And so, I don't know, whenever I go back to Michigan to fin- like visit family, it's like a nice little treat to go in there. And I always walk out so wrecked. <laughs> but like, that's how I know I'm like, oh, wow, I, yeah, put in some work. <laughs> yeah. Is it still all the same holds? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Do you, yeah. do you still have benchmarks, like old benchmarks from years back? Um, this is a f- somewhat newer wall. Okay. But definitely like benchmarks from like when it first got put up like yeah. a couple years ago. That's that's something that I think is so valuable about it. I had my own home woody for a few years and that was one of my favorite parts about it was I had these boulder problems that never changed mm-hmm. and I had ongoing projects that I could you know come back to and continue trying and I had yeah. like second tier projects that I had done and could just I, I was never quite satisfied with how I climbed them and I was always trying to climb them a little better a little better and I, I would try to repeat them every single hard session in there absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I think, really think that I mean that was yeah that was one of the most fruitful chapters in my own training I think was on that wall mm-hmm. yeah I would yeah I like I guess going back to like yeah how I approach training i think that kind of what you said there is like a really nice structure of like you know trying on a spray wall you can try something that you like you know, is limit for you that you aren't able to do and you can try that until you know you feel like oh, i'm kind of like zapped or i like lost that like top level power but then you can go down and like you can repeat things that you know you've done mm. um which adds you know a little bit more volume into the mix um and so you can kind of keep just like working that all the way down um, until you have, you know, a super solid, like two hour session. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dig into that because another thing that I've noticed about you, I mean, you don't just climb hard, you have amazing capacity when I was preparing for this. I mean, I've seen it too. Like you've done a lot of hard boulders already in your trip here and it seems like you climb almost every day, but, um, I was preparing for this and I found this video and it's called a day in Boone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> from a couple of years ago. And it's one of the most impressive single days of rock climbing I've ever seen. Thank you. Um, the, for people listening, the tick list, you flashed a couple V8s, you flashed two V9s, two V10s, and you flashed three V11s, and you also sent another V10 and two more V11s in a day. So 119 V points, all V8 and up in a day, mm-hmm. which is... I mean, that's like most people's lifetime dream tick list, you know, <laughs> in an afternoon. Um, so how do you, what does your training look like or, or what elements of your training allow you to build that kind of capacity? What do you focus on? Or, or do you have different types of sessions? Are you accomplishing all of that in, um, in one session and then just repeating that format? How does that look? Um, I do think it's something that like I have seen Ken really benefit me but also could potentially like hinder me in terms of doing like the hardest moves possible for myself but Mm. i think in general i'm kind of just wired to do a little bit more a little bit more i think that's kind of just i don't know i think that's the way i'm wired sometimes or like kind of my personality especially like you know i feel like i feel best when i'm doing a lot of activity and i kind of like need that um to like i don't know just like kind of feel who I am. Um, so definitely 
I will usually, you know, finish a session with more volume, something like that. Um, or like, I think a lot too is like that weekend warrior mentality. Um, like the way I'll approach a gym of just trying to like keep chasing it down. Like, you know, even if I start to get tired, you know, I'll do some V8s and some sevens or something like that. Um, but like going outside too, I'll, you know, work on something, you know, work, try a project or something, but then like, you know, if I usually feel like I have a finite amount of time there, I'm like, I'm gonna try to get as much done as I can in a day. Um, or I just, I want to keep going until I can't anymore. And I think that is for the most part, very beneficial. But I mean, if you're trying to do like the hardest thing possible for you, it's probably better to rest mm-hmm. a little bit more sometimes. But um, so I think days like that in Boone felt kind of, you know, how I would normally like approach a day in climbing of just like, oh, I did this. Oh man, I want to do this. Um, I don't know. It's just like also kind of, kind of following just that stoke of like, man, I'm climbing so cool and I just want to keep <laughs> doing the next thing, the next thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think that stuff kind of like adds up over time. Um, right. Yeah. That much more movement. Mm-hmm. Like I think I've been kind of going about climbing in that way since I was younger of like just wanting to do more and more. And I think eventually that kind of like builds up to like the level of, you know, endurance or capacity or whatever that you have. But I think that's true with like any kind of training that you do. Like you don't necessarily reap the benefits right then and there. It might be six months down the line, a year down the Mm. line, five years down the line, but like the work that you're putting in now, like will show up. Mm. How do you, I guess you could answer this from the perspective of your own training and climbing or from your coaching. I know you do some coaching too, but Mm -hmm. how do you think about that approach? Where's the line between that and just junk mileage? Cause it's, it's so common, especially in a commercial gym, you just see someone who's like, you know, you see them when you get to the gym and they're like trying a V8 or whatever. They're trying hard. They're looking strong. Mm-hmm. Three hours later, they're still there and they're like sweaty and they're like falling off of V4s because they're just totally wrecked. Um, they're, they're chasing that kind of like, I just want to go until I can't even open my fist, you know, or w- whatever it is. Right. Right. Where, where's the line? How do you think about that? Um. I guess I do think about it of like, where did I start in the session and kind of where have I fallen to? Um, you know, if I'm starting a session at 100%, if I've fallen below 70% of my capacity or something like that, maybe it's time to call it quits. Mm. Um, definitely just like being, I don't know, like being mindful and kind of being in tune um, of where you're at. I definitely think like once in a while it is good I don't know. I think it's okay to have a session where you're like, wow, I'm like completely spent. Um, but going back to like spray wall and having benchmarks and things, like there are certain problems that I'll try at the end where if I get on and I'm like, oh, I can't touch this. And, you know, maybe it's not super hard in like the grand scheme of all the problems that I have like on my board that I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to call it. Mm. Um, but, you know, you can kind of, I don't know, fine tune it, see what works for you and like, so with that, you can be like, oh, I know if I've dropped to, you know, I feel like maybe half of what I was doing at the beginning of the session, like, man, I'm not going to recover for tomorrow or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just like kind of being in tune with where you're at and definitely like going till you can't climb B0 is probably, you know, a once, <laughs> a once in a blue moon thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, 
break down a spray wall session. What does the session look like for you? And and I guess I'm also curious, do you have different mm -hmm. ones or is it always a similar format? It's like honestly fairly similar, I would say. I like that. Um, it's simple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I with training like, I don't know, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. Um and I think that's like kind of easy st to stick to. Um but yeah, I'll definitely come in and like slowly just start warming up like, you know, I'll have I'll start with I always love to start with just something super juggy and like start to feel like the blood coming into my hands and um, and then I'll just kind of see sometimes where the psych takes me, but it's usually either trying to send something that I was working in the last session, like a problem that I made up that I couldn't do or making up something new that's hard. Um, and then I'll do that until, you know, it could be 45 minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be an hour and a half until I'm like not making any progress or like you know, my skin's hurting or something. And then maybe I'll try to repeat some problems. Um, and that first, that first chunk of time is all focused on one boulder problem. Um, it could be multiple. Yeah. Okay. I would probably focus on like a couple boulder problems. Okay. Um, maybe trying to vary the style. Um, I definitely think about that. Like, you know, maybe something a little longer to get some power endurance in or something like, you know, a little more stout as well. But, um, from there, yeah, I would kind of, yeah, move into like repeating some stuff at the end. And I think with that, it's very beneficial to try to repeat those problems as like nicely as possible. Um, I think that's a really good time, especially like, I know it's hard to, you know, be in, like red pointing something and like you're fatigued and your footwork starts going and like that happens to me all the time. But like having trained, like being a little bit tired, but keeping things like crisp Mm. Um, and nice. So I think the repetition of boulders is um, really useful, not only for like that kind of capacity factor, but also like, I don't know, like a mindset thing of like being able to keep it together hmm. um, and just like kind of, you know, keeping your footwork crisp and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then if, you know, if I have a sport climbing trip on the horizon, I'll probably end with some circuits, something like that. Um, or even if I have a bouldering trip and I feel like climbing more, I'll do some circuits or something like that. Okay. All in the same session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, those could be short blocks or those could be large blocks and um, just depends on how you're feeling that day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. As far as the circuits go, do you vary the length or do you always, do you prefer that kind of 60 move range? I typically keep it to like 60 moves. It could be like 45 if the circuit ends up being kind of harder. Um, when I was a kid, I used to do a hundred move circuits hmm. and, um, I certainly don't do that anymore. <laughs> that was like a crazy, like, I don't know, 16 year old kid just wanting endurance for the madness cave. <laughs> sure. Um, sure. yeah. I mean, yeah. there's plenty of hundred move routes out there. Totally. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. So I think, I don't know, that was like my circuiting background is always like, a hundred moves and I'm just like on the wall forever. And, but I don't know. So sometimes I think that I like still kind of like keep that in my system somehow as being my background. Um, but then I think I've definitely found that 60 moves is a little nicer to be like, you're still getting smaller holds, um, harder moves, but mm. also that kind of endurance factor. Do you do anything for like aerobic capacity, like really low end endurance? Mm, I definitely do some running. 
Oh, okay. um, yeah, I go through like, I'll go through waves with running. I've definitely found it's probably not the best sport to go side by side with climbing, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I do think like maybe running, you know, three miles or something like a couple times a week just makes my head feel good. Mm. And also I don't think it hinders my climbing too much, but I've definitely... No, I've gotten into bouts of running that are like, oh, I'm super psyched on running. Um, but then, the, you know, I can definitely feel that in my climbing. So I think, I don't know, a little bit of running here and there. Okay. Um, maybe just good for overall fitness and like, I don't know, just feeling like an athlete. Yeah, yeah. But nothing climbing specific, no like arcing or really, really light endurance. No, I haven't really experimented with anything yeah. like that before. That's um, interesting. Yeah, I think just those kind of like, yeah, those like short, I guess 60 moves ends up being, I don't know, six to eight minutes on the wall or something. Mm. Um, but with endurance, I'd rather go slightly more intense and, you know, maybe it's only two circuits or three or four or something like that. Um, yeah. And I think like, I definitely try to keep my rest time to a minimum. Mm. I think that is almost better than trying to make harder and harder circuits of like, you can, you know, take your rest time from six minutes to five minutes or four minutes, okay. something like that. Yeah. And you'll do the same, you'll pick one for the day and do the same one a few times with that much rest between, or are you mixing in different ones in the same session? Um, I'll do, I'll pick a circuit, like, you know, kind of 20 moves in a loop, something like this, um, and climb that three times. Mm. But if you make a loop, you're able to go forwards, you're able mm. to go backwards. Um, so really, if you like think of, a bunch of combinations like it's kind of a new circuit every time mm -hmm. um definitely like once you've done three forward and then you get on for the next one and you do it backwards it feels like on siding a new route which mm. is kind of cool and it's definitely like a new stimulus yeah um that can kind of mix it up a little bit yeah mm. this is cool so okay so you're <laughs> doing like some limit bouldering some kind of second tier maybe capacity bouldering and then circuits all in the same session and it's just kind of rinse repeat yeah, 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 for the most part. What do you do if you show up for a session and you're just not feeling 100% that day? You're feeling kind of powered out. Um, you know, I've actually experienced that recently. Um, I think normally I'm pretty used to just like hammering through. And I think that can come with some downsides. Um, I've, I've definitely noticed that if, you know, I'll start, start doing a bouldering session and I'm just like, not feeling it, my body feels really bad. Um, I'm definitely trying to get better at being like, maybe tomorrow's a good day, mm. or you know, maybe I'll wait until the afternoon and I'll hangboard or something like that. Um, so I definitely, I do think there is merit in pushing through a little bit. Mm. Um, and usually, I find I do, if I'm not super unmotivated and I do push through, I'll find you know, there's some psych. Mm. there eventually and then i'll get like stoked again yeah so i do think there is merit in kind of like sometimes pushing through but also like i know i do like try to be better at like listening to my body and being like mm, might get hurt or something like that or i don't know if i'm not psyched like what's the point wait for the next day so yeah i don't know there's yeah it's a, it's a double-edged sword for sure <laughs> So I had sent you some questions leading up to this, and I, I want to ask a few of them just to make sure that we didn't skip over anything here. For sure. Um, I looked at your... Actually, the, the first thing that caught my attention, we climbed together a few days ago, and we were up in the upper chaos here in Rocky Mountain, and we were over at Wildcat. You've been trying Domestic Cat, which is 
was that the V13 more direct version of it? Um, yeah, V14 straight up. V14, yeah, V14, yeah. okay. And then Wildcats like V12, something like that. I'm trying that, John's trying that, you'd already done it. And uh, we'd been climbing all day. This is like 8 p.m. I think we started at two. And I think domestic cat wasn't going super well, like your skin wasn't feeling great or something along those lines. Yeah. And you're like, well, I guess I'll just, I'll, I guess I'll just do another lap on Wildcat. And you, <laughs> I just watched you do the smoothest, like floatiest lap on a V12 that I'd ever seen. And it really, <sighs> it really hit me actually watching you. I was watching you do the really difficult tension, like foot moves at the start. Mm-hmm. totally smooth, really calm and collected. It just looked easy for you. And it just, it was so crystal clear, like, okay, this guy, there's way more going on here than him just having stronger fingers than me. You know, like more core tension, more flow in your movement, just everything. And I was kind of like, how how does one do that? <laughs> What's happening? Like, how did he make the, how is he so much stronger on a toe hook than me? Are his shins strong? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and so I was looking at your Instagram and I just saw the spray wall stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, yeah, it, it seems that most of his hard climbing is hard climbing. It's it's that simple. And mm-hmm. it's like you said, it's you're getting so many of these different elements or components of training through the simple act of climbing. So um, that's what that's what I was thinking about when I wrote some of these questions. And I want to dig into a yeah. few of them here. Um, I had asked you... What are some of the most important things that you focus on in your climbing or training that help you continue to improve? And then I asked if you could only do two or three exercises for the next five years, as far as training goes, you know, this could be hangboard, uh, gym bouldering, spray wall, lifting, whatever, what stands out? What would you pick? Do you have Mm -hmm. any additional thoughts on that stuff that we haven't tackled yet? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I guess my my short answer is yes. Spray wall, <laughs> circuiting, like spray wall bouldering, circuiting. Um, I guess maybe I would add some hangboarding in there, okay. something like that. Um, but yeah, I guess, I don't know. That's kind of like my overall approach to training. I feel like I've definitely tried to keep it like fairly simplistic. Um, I know, I guess uh, going way back to when I was younger, I... Did this competition um, it was like a local competition and the cash prize was like five hundred dollars and uh daniel woods was in the red at the time and I, I was maybe i don't know 14 or something at the time and he so he came up and you know just completely just flashed everything um and i was like so blown away by this one boulder that he did because i'd seen everybody trying it and it was like this jump move and like a 60 degree overhang something like this um and everybody was like cutting feet wildly and um like going super violently to this hold and he comes up and the foothold you're jumping off of is horrible and he just somehow keeps his foot on in this like 60 degree overhang and like Mm. on a horrible foot and i was like that's the most insane thing i've ever seen (laughs) um and I think honestly, from like that day, I was like, I want to be able to do something like that. Hmm. Um, and I think that was a big thing for me is always trying to just like emulate things in climbing that I saw that, you know, like I want to climb that way. Um, and so I think a lot of my training has been, 
you know, for a long time, I really did try to just my feet stayed on no matter what. Like that was that was my training, like choosing something that kind of simple, but something that I could also like always work on and emulate. Mm. Um, and I think that slowly kind of turned into my style of like, I don't know, trying like being very tensiony, that sort of thing. Um, so I think that. You know, you're saying like, I don't know, keeping tension in some toe hook or not just in the fingers. I think I've always tried to pick certain things to work on and emulate. And that's has, that's been one of like my biggest ones is trying to just like, even if the foothold's bad, like core up, try to keep your foot on. Mm. Um, and then I think that kind of like moves, um, I don't know, it has a lot of applications. Yeah. Not just, you know on a steep wall, but like, I feel like you can take that to like lesser angle climbing of, you know, a lot of your weight going, your, your feet are taking a lot of the weight and kind of like sucking you into the wall. Um, so I don't know, that's, I guess, kind of like an approach that I've always, always taken of mm. just like, and it, you know, and it could be like, I, I see someone that's really good technically, or like, I like how they move their feet and trying to emulate that in my own climbing. Mm. Um, that's something I definitely try to work on for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious if you get fascinated by a specific technique or, or, um, element like that, like watching Daniel's tension on a foot, mm -hmm. do you just have that in mind when you're climbing? Are you watching more films of him? Are you filming yourself and reviewing? Like, what does that process look like when you're really focusing in on something like that? Yeah, definitely like watching video can be helpful, but I think the best is like, you know, executing something. And then I try very hard to like internalize, like, what did that feel like? Cause I think you're not always going to be able to do something and have a video, but you can always like do something and like, oh, I know that feeling. Mm. Um, and I think that can be very helpful too. And like, um, if there's a burn where you stick, the certain move and you're like, I, I couldn't stick it before, but I've stuck it now. Like, what did I do? <laughs> but I think if you're practicing kind of like knowing what something feels like and trying to emulate like a feeling, I think that can be very helpful. Mm. Um, I had that yesterday of, I had one session on my project where I stuck, stuck this move or like got through the crux section quite, quite easily. And then 10, 12 tries later, I couldn't get through it. And I was like, huh, what is going on? And um, doing it yesterday, I didn't like, I didn't take time to kind of internalize. It was honestly just a slight movement of my thumb. Um, <laughs> and, but I think those little things and just like internalizing those and like realizing what makes a move happen or not, it's like a good practice to have. And like that can start in the gym yeah. for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, that can apply throughout whatever you're climbing. Yeah. What I'm hearing, it, it sounds like just bringing intention and I guess awareness to, mm -hmm. to all the climbing that you're doing, just really yeah. noticing what your body's doing. And yeah, I think that word intention is like super good. Mm. Um, like intention and like making every attempt quality. You, mm. you, want, you want to be trying as hard as you can on the wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you do yesterday? Um, I was, I was able to do uh, this boulder called white noise in wild basin. Um, so awesome, man. Yeah. It's one that I had <clears throat> seen videos for a long time. And so it was really cool. To, Is it V15? 
it seems it, yeah it could be 14 slash 15 okay um something like that i i don't i guess i don't have enough experience at the moment to say one way or the other but okay i can certainly say it feels like the hardest boulder that i've done so far nice so, yeah oh, that's exciting yeah. you've been climbing a lot too you've been climbing a lot of days yeah so yeah that's that bodes well <laughs> for more hard stuff <laughs> definitely yeah <clears throat> i feel like yesterday i don't know i found another gear on this trip um cool which was cool yeah trying to been trying to be like patient and you know wait for a moment and mm. yeah i felt like it yesterday for sure that's awesome congratulations on that one thanks yeah it, seem, it seems like uh, i was uh snooping on your 8a account mm -hmm. and it seems like you're the type of person that always takes the lower grade like when in doubt it seems like you've downgraded a lot of stuff or, or taking the lower grade even if you're in the minority as far as like the opinions of the of the grades yeah i'm not sure what's up with that <laughs> um i don't know yeah i guess sometimes i can be my own harshest critic or mm. um so maybe that just kind of comes with that territory mm. um i certainly do i don't know always end up putting a lot of not ne not negative pressure but a lot of pressure on myself and i think sometimes like i don't know if i'm taking the lower grades just because i don't know i want to like you know when i do you know do the next hardest thing for me i want to be like sure of it and be mm. like heck yeah 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 that's interesting that's mm -hmm. a, another one of those uh sores that cuts both ways i think yeah 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 i think some yes i think sometimes the things that can help us can also hinder us in a way or like you know anything that can get you into the situation can also be a skill that gets you out of a situation mm. i want to ask another one of the questions i'd written down <clears throat> sure. um you've done some coaching you've been climbing a long time you observe a lot of climbers mm -hmm. as far as training or just trying to improve and this can be bouldering sport climbing whatever where do you see a lot of climbers going wrong? Um, you know, what habits or behaviors do you notice that keep people from continuing to improve? I think simply not climbing enough mm. or not focusing on just climbing. Certainly in, I think you could say 95% of someone's training, I think it's always gonna be beneficial to be majority climbing. I, th I think there is like benefit in hangboarding and, um, you know, any other kind of training for that matter. But I think a lot of people end up like maybe getting too psyched on, you know, a particular protocol or something. Um, but I think just climbing and kind of what we were talking about earlier of trying to be like in tune with your movement, mm. um, getting able or being able to like feel like you're moving on rock comfortably. Um, and that's something I've certainly found myself in the last couple of years, I would say, um, of just like feeling very comfortable, like feeling more comfortable in, you know, any kind of climb that I get on or a new situation. Um, but I think, yeah, people tend to, yeah, maybe get fixated on one thing where really like, I think you can get so much benefit in like just climbing and just making sure that every try on the wall has good intention mm -hmm. um, and trying to trying to fix your mistakes, I think too, or like we'll learn where you went wrong. Mm. Um, and I think that can almost like take you all the way and then you can add in some things. 
Um, but I definitely see that, you know, people that I'm coaching or um, in the gym, that's what I would kind of maybe put my finger on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, <clears throat> I want to ask you about uh, John. Yeah. A little bit. We've been climbing with John. I think he even asked for a shout out. So John, there you go. <laughs> Johnny boy. Yeah. Johnny boy. <laughs> but yeah. Um, what are some of the things you focused on with him? Or, or maybe another, a different question, tackle this however you want, but mm -hmm. how have you helped pass on that philosophy to him? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, coaching him, it was a lot just like, you know, this is how your try went. Try to th think about what went wrong. Maybe that try, if it didn't work or if it did work, like, what did you do that time that, um, you know, made you stick that move? And I think a lot of times it was like a feeling or, you know, something subtle, like, oh, I slightly have to turn my knee in. Um, and I think those kind of things, you know, I think he definitely like latched on to things like that. Um, where like little, you know, little internalizations or little tricks kind of go a long way. But a lot of climbing really was just like, maybe I'll point you in the right direction. But um, I think we had a very like psyched group of um, kids that I was coaching and all they really wanted to do was like climb and try hard. And I think, <laughs> so really honestly not, I don't know, I don't think too much direction would have been a good idea. I think kind of like mm. pointing them in the right direction and maybe giving them some things to think about, um, little pieces of advice here and there. But I think for someone like John, like just letting him rage. Yeah, honestly, I think some like just well-intentioned trying hard hmm. goes a long, long way. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where was that? Where were you coaching that team? Um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. Yeah, the Planet Rock climbing team. That's where you're from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was born and raised in Ann Arbor, Michigan. What was your early climbing like? How did you discover climbing and get into it? Um, I was 12 and I did a summer camp with a friend at like this little <laughs> college wall, um, at the U of M and I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, and then I just kept having my dad take me back, take me back. Um, and then eventually someone was like, Hey, you know, there's like a nicer gym that you could go to. <laughs> and I was like, Oh really? Okay. Um, so yeah, I just started going to planet rock and my uh, birthday present every year was an annual membership and then kind of just went off from there and I tried competitions and, you know, kind of just snowballed and, you know, friends took me to the red and that's like, I think where I really fell in love with it as mm. well. Yeah. Yeah. You did quite well there. I think when you were still a teenager, you did Southern Smoke Direct. Is that um, right? I did Southern Smoke when I was, I think I was 16. Okay. Um, that was definitely like... A step in my progression I think um, and yeah coming back for Southern Smoke Direct was I don't know definitely like a big turning point in my climbing when was that yeah um, I did that route I think four years ago okay now, something like that yeah um, yeah I had I had a hiatus from climbing for a couple years and that was the moment where I was like I'm kind of back to climbing and I'm also maybe found like a new level as well. Um, so that, I don't know, that route in particular like means a lot to me mm. or like a lot goes into just like that. I don't know, one 90 meter sandstone route. Yeah. <laughs> 90 feet, not meter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I know what you're referring to, so I can I can feel that like there was mm. that was that must have been kind of the light at the end of a, a pretty dark tunnel. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, my my hiatus from climbing was, um, yeah, mainly due to dealing with an eating disorder, and that was yeah, like you said, definitely a long dark tunnel, um, and I think climbing route like Southern Smoke Direct was the light at the very end of the tunnel. It almost felt like, or it was just um, this amazing validation that like I've kind of put trust in a process and trust in myself and belief in myself and like things do get better and things can be even better when you are, you know, respecting your body mm. um, and like giving it what it needs and so that was like a really cool kind of culmination of, yeah, some, I would say the darkest period of, of my life. Mm. Um, but there's, you know, there's always an end to that. Um, and there's always some sort of, yeah, some sort of glimmer of hope. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing that. This is of really course. interesting to me because I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, and my dark tunnel was was relatively short um, in the big scheme of things. I've had a number of friends who've, you know, developed osteoporosis and been hospitalized from eating disorders growing up. And um, my situation was uh, much less severe and had much less lasting effects than that. But I feel like I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, I, th I think I'm stronger than ever. And if I'm not, then I think I'm like right on the cusp. Which is and an amazing. It's really exciting. It's mm -hmm. really exciting, mm -hmm. uh, and the thought that like, oh, I can climb harder routes than ever before. It opens this, up this huge this window of it, it possibility. Does. It yeah. does. Yeah. Um, I'd love to ask you some more questions about that. If you're absolutely, yeah, I'm comfortable with it. Definitely open about sharing. Um, in a second, I'm going to read something from an article. I, I would just love to hear first. Do you remember how it started? Maybe maybe put us in that time and place. Like, how old were you? When was it? And and uh, how did it start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would definitely preface by saying, like, I don't know, sharing these sort of things. It's um, I didn't for a while, and I guess I've become more more comfortable with maybe sharing these things. But um, I guess always my hope is that like even one you know little tidbit um, might, if it helps one person out there or something, then I think it's all worthwhile mm. um but yeah my i guess kind of my journey well more struggle um kind of started like right after high school um i think it was kind of a combination of you know feeling like the world was an overwhelming place being just barely 18 and not sure what direction i wanted to take things and also just being also really into climbing and I don't know these I don't know little ideas of like I need to be I need to be lighter than I am or um in in order to be strong I need to be you know this weight something like that um I think a combination of those kind of things all came into this like perfect storm mm. um which ended up kind of spiraling out of control fairly quickly um but at first it all felt well-intentioned I suppose I was like I'm just trying to get better at climbing you know I just have that to focus on right now so I'm going to be the best that I possibly can mm. um but 
I think, yeah, a combination of that and feeling like I wasn't, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with, it felt like the rest of my life. Um, and so those kind of things ended up just like snowballing into something that, yeah, turned out to be not, not a great situation. Mm. Was, was any of it chasing different bodies you had climbed in as you developed as a kid? Because I think kids, mm. I think kids must have a real challenge with this. You know, this is kind of Kai Leitner's story too, where mm -hmm. everyone's growing differently at different rates. Everyone's bodies are changing really quickly. You climb really hard at one weight and one height. And then, you know, a year later you, you look completely different and you feel different and, um, I, I didn't have to go through that. I started climbing at 18 and in the big scheme of things, my adult body has not changed much. You know, I, I don't look that different than I did when I was 18 uh, physically. And I imagine mm -hmm. that must be really challenging to, to climb that hard at a, as a 16 year old. And mm -hmm. then, you know, you're, you're building muscle, you're getting heavier. Was yeah. Was that part of it for you? I'll be honest in saying like, as I was growing up and my body was changing, I don't think I paid attention to it <laughs> one one way or the yeah, other. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, kind of a thought that I always have too is like when I was a kid, I didn't think about what I ate or what I look like or yeah. anything like that. I just wanted to climb. Yeah. Um, and that's always like a thought that I kind of keep in my head. Because um, certainly my body did change and I got taller and I got more muscle and those kind of things. Um, and so I don't think it was necessarily like chasing you know, a body structure that I was as a kid. Um, I do think maybe um, none of there was like some sort of dysmorphia or something or where I was saying like, oh, I don't think I look like this, you know, X, Y, and Z professional climber or something mm. or someone that's doing something that I want to do. I don't feel like I look like that at the moment. And maybe if I did, that would help me. Mm. Um, I guess it was more of, more of that sort of thought process um, which turned out to be very destructive. And that's just not, you know, it's just not the way it is. Mm. Um, I doubt I'm a strong believer that like your body's got it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like trust your body. Yeah. Like, everybody's body is different. Um, every, you know, <laughs> it, it's real. it's a hard thing to fight your genetics. Like, yeah. um, I think people really just have I, I believe everybody has like kind of just like a happy place where their body's content and their mind's content. Mm. Um, and I think the mind piece of that is like very important as well because mm. you certainly can't perform your best if your thoughts are elsewhere um, or you know, your thoughts are focused on any of those things that we talked about. Yeah. 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 That, that resonates a lot with me and people that have, I shared a solo episode about this so people that have listened to that will know my story with it. But that's really what it was for me was mm -hmm. I'm, I've always put on muscle easily. I'm built like a boulderer. Like when people meet me, they think I'm a boulderer, but mm -hmm. I wanted to be a sport climber. I mm -hmm. wanted to be built like a sport climber. And I think what I understand now that I didn't understand then is that forcing my body to look that way, um, I'm going to sport climb better if I embrace my body type than if I fight it and force it into this other, absolutely, you know, this other um, mold, I guess, that, that it isn't naturally built for. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I've, I'm seeing that now, like, oh my God, I didn't think I could ever 
you know, climb 514 at 160 or whatever it was. Yeah. And um, I think I'm right on the cusp of it now and I feel stronger than ever before. So yeah. it's, it's just the adage of like, can't force a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. Like yeah. it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything I, is going to be better if you, you know, yeah. I think uh, your body's got it. I think that's got to go on a t-shirt. <laughs> your body's got, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that, man. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to read um, a couple paragraphs from this article. Sure. It's a really incredible read. This is an article titled, Weighing In, Does Climbing Need an Eating Disorder Intervention? And this was by Carolyn Wicks. Um, I think she wrote it. You contributed to it. I think it came out last year. Is that right? Yeah, it came out, came out um, like right kind of as the pandemic came to a, came to a turning point. And so I think it was... Um, unfortunately, I wish more people had the chance to like grab a magazine off the shelves and gyms mm. and that kind of thing. Um, but she did a fantastic job for sure. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really powerful. Um, yeah, I've got it here. April, 2020. Okay. Yeah. Um, from climbing.com. And I will link to this article in the show notes for people that want to read it. But this is uh, a couple paragraphs about you and I'll read it here. So it says, in summer 2015, Bark started engaging in disordered eating. He had just graduated high school, and during the time of uncertainty and change, a rigid diet became a means of controlling the chaos. Today, he acknowledges that his, and this is in quotes, perfectionist tendencies, which manifested in his wanting to become a better climber, were a large part of his disorder. The sport had long been a cornerstone of his life, and Barks had been competing since age 12. After participating in four youth world championships, he had developed an identity in climbing. It gave him confidence and a way to spend quality time with his dad on weekend trips to the Red River Gorge. Barks began dieting heavily at age 18, counting calories and cutting off food groups while continuing to climb and train, running on fumes. Six months in, Barks was hospitalized after his extremely low blood sugar level led to a seizure. He took a full year off rock climbing to focus on recovery, a time that he calls the unhappiest of his life. This is a quote from you. It says, I didn't quite realize how hard it was to not do the one thing that I love so much. He wanted to climb, but he had to learn how to feed himself first. It's so powerful. Yeah, yeah that kind of sums up my experience quite well, I think. Um, climbing being such a important part of my life and really like my, it did feel like my identity at the time um, and kind of what I based all my all my actions and decisions on and to you know do something that I thought was beneficial and then kind of that same thing completely stripped away the one activity that I felt gave me meaning and purpose was yeah the like the darkest time of my life for mm. sure um but i think in the first part of that i kind of mentioned like those things like the same qualities that helped me excel in climbing were also some of the same you know like i don't know being rigid in training or something like this were also some of the same catalysts for the you know bad experience that i had sure um and i think that's you know, it's a very weird thing to think about because then I also think the same traits that helped me in climbing but put me into that also, I think, are what 
helped me climb out. Mm. Um, I think being, I don't know, being strong-willed and like eventually it came to a point where I was like, I want my life back and I also want to be able to climb again. Mm. Um, and just really wanting that for myself and like not seeing, you know, anything standing in my way was like really important turning point for me of realizing like, wow, this sport means so much to me. Like I want it back, mm. um, which kind of felt like regaining my life back because that's kind of all I knew. I was just obsessed as a kid and a teenager and, um, yeah. So like to be able to, I don't know, yeah, slowly start to see, um, validation of like, wow, if I'm feeding myself and I'm feeling properly and listening to my body, like things are kind of, things are kind of working. And, um, like I said, that kind of culminated in like Southern Smoke Direct, mm. like a route that I can remember trying when I was not very healthy and not being able to do, and then going back, you know, honoring my body and everything and being able to do, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a, it was certainly a long time of, yeah, wavering on like belief in myself that like, mm. you know, you, you are a, you are you know, better than this, you are capable of more, but like wanting to, yeah, wanting to get better was, um, yeah, a big part. Mm -hmm. For, for me that, I think that's been the most difficult part is mm -hmm. knowing that I failed on a specific route when I was, you know, when I looked in the mirror and I was shredded and I'd been training really hard and doing all the things and I'd been mm -hmm. on top of my diet for literally over a year, like no exceptions, you know? Yeah. And if I, if that didn't do it, then there's like no chance anything, you know, anything less than that would do it. I think mm -hmm. that, I think that was mm -hmm. my, and, and that's not true. I think that was my, um, hmm. That's how I was confused. And I think the hardest part has been to kind of undo or reverse that way of thinking. And totally, it's really taken just kind of like the proof in the pudding. Like I've really had to just see myself perform better and get stronger. Yeah. Um, improve numbers on the hangboard, climb higher grades, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And then you just, you start realizing like, holy shit, like th this is actually working. Absolutely. Yeah. If you like, if you like <laughs> trust, trust in the process and just like, yeah, things will, you know, things will start working. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that mindset is maybe easy to slip into um, or like get caught up in, but really it's like, if you are treating your body nicely, like just the, you know, you can train like everything down to the smallest little thing, just is working better. And mm -hmm. that's going to mean you're going to be not only like climbing better, but just, I think, enjoying, enjoying climbing more. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. I think, I think I honestly, for a year or so there, I had like resolved to, I finally gave up because I was like fighting it. You know, my, mm -hmm. the reason I called my situation an eating disorder was not mm -hmm. the process of um, losing the weight. Cause I think similar to you, I just, it was grasping control. Like I'd always gotten a lot of fulfillment and satisfaction out of 
incremental improvement at climbing. Yeah. And I got to a point with some injuries and whatever else that I hit a plateau and I wasn't making that progress anymore. And then pivoting and focusing on this weight goal, that was yeah. something I had control over again and I was seeing steady progress. And, mm -hmm. and I was confused. I had some data that turned out to be inaccurate and I really didn't, I really feel like my mindset was reasonably healthy through that whole process of losing the weight. Mm -hmm. And the part that was the eating disorder was like the two years after that, when my body just kind of like broke down and I had no energy and I probably developed red S. I, I don't even know. My hormones mm -hmm. were screwed up. And then I just, all the like shame and embarrassment and feeling like my identity as someone who was willing to do whatever it took to improve you know, the rug was ripped out from under that because I wasn't even able to stay on top of my diet, you know, like yeah, those yeah. were, that was the part that was like really dark. And, um, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think we were talking about this other night, like your, your mind can play some weird tricks on you, yeah. make you believe these weird things. Yeah. Um, and I think it, you know, in, in hindsight, you can see now like, wow, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, you know, why did I, why did I believe that? Or why was my mind telling me that? But, right. um, I don't know, given, like given time, it's crazy how you can like see those things. Um, we were talking about looking at pictures. I've had this experience in the last couple of years where like, I, I can look back at photos of myself now from amidst this process of regaining weight. And maybe I was 150 pounds at the time, you mm -hmm. know, I was still small, but I was regaining weight from 140 up to like 160 where I'm at now. Yeah. And uh, at the time of those photos, I remember thinking that I looked fat. Like I did not, Right. I didn't, I was not happy with how I looked because I was comparing myself to this skewed baseline, this, mm -hmm. this new, um, I had, I had totally developed body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. And now I feel stronger. I feel lighter on the wall again. And I can look at those same exact photos and I'm like, I look tiny in that photo. <laughs> it's it's really crazy. It's yeah. Such a trip. Yeah. It's yeah. Such a trip. Yeah. Going down those rabbit holes or being stuck in kind of like tunnel vision. Um, yeah, I think can play weird weird tricks on the mind for sure. Yeah. 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 It's it's unfortunate. <laughs> I wanna ask you a couple of questions. Um, I'm curious, do you think there's anything if you could go back in time, like, is there anything that you could say to 18 year old Dylan? What would he have needed to hear? It, it, is there anything that you could have said or could have heard at that time that would have helped you avoid that whole experience? Yeah, I think I would just say to myself that life isn't as daunting as you think at the moment. Mm. I think things always work out for the better. Um, and I think that was kind of a hard thing to see at the time, but I think I would give myself that little tidbit as well as, um, I don't know, the, the improvement that I felt like I was seeing from being more disciplined and diet, whatever is very, very finite. Um, and just knowing that being happy and healthy overall is, is always going to like prevail. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, being told that your weight or your diet is never the limiting factor 
in climbing. It might it might feel like it is in very certain instances, but that's just not that's not a sustainable practice. Um, and like it has no there's no longevity there, mm. um, which took me a long time to figure those things out for sure. Um, it's pretty obvious when you look at it in hindsight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I feel the same yeah. way. I'm like, yeah. I wanted to be, I ultimately wanted to be way stronger than just the few pounds. Like I knew that, you know, like mm-hmm. I had way bigger goals than just like what I would get from losing these few pounds, but yeah, I couldn't see that. The, li- the list of where that fall or the, where that falls on the list of like limiting factors and climbing, yeah. I think kind of comes down at the, the very bottom. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. Folk, I mean, having good power, strength, technique, there's a laundry list of things, um, that are, you know, fall before all that. Yeah. What helped you turn the corner toward recovery? Was it that moment that was it the seizure and going to the hospital? What was it that really helped you turn things around? That moment was certainly um, a very scary moment for me. And I think that was a little bit of an awakening. Did um, it surprise you? Definitely. Definitely. Because at that point, I still felt like and I knew there was something was up, but I didn't feel like it was, you know, that crazy. Hmm. Um which is really weird to think about now. Um, I think two other things really helped me. And I think the first and foremost is like um, just wanting, wanting to regain, you know, my climbing and how I felt as a person. Um, Just like it took me a while to get into that mindset of like, you know what, I'm just going to trust in the people that are saying, this is what I should do. Like, it's going to be okay. And I had to, try really hard to like be okay with like not feeling okay about things, but trusting Hmm. that in the end they were going to work out, Um, which I think is ultimately what kind of led to me slowly, slowly climbing out of that hole I was in. But also I think too, rebuilding relationships was a big, big part for me. Um, It was really cool to like, I don't know, I think during that time I definitely was very cut off from, you know, my climbing friends, any kind of friends, relationships, anything like that. And slowly building, building those back up and realizing I'm finding joy in those. Um, you know, I started dating my now fiance Hmm. and I think that was a a huge part in things. Um, just kind of like slowly working my way back to a more normal life. And like with that came climbing. Mm. Yeah. So I think but that all kind of stems from, yeah, just trusting in the people saying, this is what you need to do. It's going to be okay. And if it feels horrible, like, go with it. Like, it's going to be okay. And you will find the light at the end of the tunnel. And mm. thankfully, I did. Did you have any specific role models or maybe athletes that you look towards? As far as like putting your trust in people and, and trusting the process. Mm-hmm. Um Anyone like that, that was kind of a beacon of light for you? Um, I guess a lot of those people I was talking about were just like health professionals, okay, things like that. Um, but definitely I had a, um, a mentor growing up. His name was Mike. Um, and he was definitely a big source of inspiration and kind of like 
um, I've definitely wanted to, um, he was kind of like one that, you know, I was preaching like, you know, get free, feed the beast, that, that sort of <laughs> thing. Like, I don't know, he was just very like happy and healthy overall and was like super strong. Um, and so I think like rebuilding like a relationship with him um, and just like seeing kind of how he operated, mm. um, I think that was powerful, like a powerful role model in climbing. But then I guess just like, yeah, looking up to looking up to the people in climbing that like were doing the things that I wanted to be doing and just like being like, man, it would be really cool to work my way up to doing something like that. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Mike. <laughs> Another shout out. <laughs> I, well, I asked that because I was just kind of thinking, I, th I think that was a big part of of what helped me not only trust the process, but get really excited about a, a different process, you know, because ultimately mm. like what got me into the situation and this is similar to what you said earlier is the same thing that got me out. Like at the root of it, I just wanted to climb harder. I really wanted to get better. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I thought this was the solution and that turned out to be a really bad idea, a really bad long-term strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it took me a long time to realize how skewed my own pers perception or perspective, yeah, perception of hard climbing was living at Smith Rock and being around these kind of, um, you know, more like 90s sport climber influences and looking up to those people and idolizing, idolizing those people. And right. it was starting to travel more and like meet all these rifle climbers who were mm -hmm. jacked. And then um, honestly seeing Matt Fultz, you know, like, hearing mm -hmm. and learning about him and talking to him after he climbed hypnotized minds you know he's like the fourth yeah. person to do that rock climb and it's got the smallest holds in the world and right he's built like me you know like I, i'm flattering myself by comparing myself to matt Fultz, <laughs> but you know like similar weight no. um muscular and i'm like oh wow there's so much untapped potential there for strength and for all these other qualities like you said the the weight thing's so far down the list yeah of, of limiting factors for me so right yeah and yeah. i think kind of like you said being able to recognize what what is a healthy behavior or like what ends up being true or not and i think that you know might take you know a while to realize that's not a that's not a good good thought or a good practice or i should take that with a grain of salt mm. um i definitely try to i think a big thing that has helped me is realizing that you know th certain thoughts might pop into my head that could be unhealthy but i really think it's what you end up doing with those thoughts i think it's kind of like our actions that make us um, and so i think having like a mindful approach to things where you know sometimes a negative thought could pop into your head and that's okay but observing that thought and being like that's not that's not healthy that's not i shouldn't i shouldn't do that um and being able to like kind of stop that thought there and not going through the actions of you know whatever that may be of like you know i shouldn't eat this or this is bad for me mm. um i think that kind of goes a long way like along those same lines i was curious i was going to ask you if this was if you, if you feel like this is something that's behind you or if it's an ongoing process and this is vulnerable, but I, 
Mm -hmm. I'm curious, would you be willing to share what some of those thoughts are? Like, what are some of the things that still pop into your head? And then what do you do? Like, how do you turn those thoughts around or how do you act differently from what those thoughts are telling you? Yeah, I really think kind of like what I just touched on um, is a big part of how I deal with that. Um, I won't lie in saying that I do have sometimes negative thoughts that pop into my head, but I think that observation and realizing like that those are not coming from a place of good, like that is an old mindset that has crept in um, and knowing that I should not, you know, act out that behavior. Um, is, is it like foods that you, your brain's telling you don't eat that or you, what? Um, I'm trying to, I guess, I guess I don't have a, a great um, example. Yeah, maybe something like, oh, if, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't keep eating that or shouldn't finish that or mm. something like that. But, um, and I think the biggest thing for me is whatever that negative thought, if it does pop in, do the opposite. If it does <laughs> pop into my head. <laughs> and that's usually what I end up doing. Yeah. 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 Cause like that's. Buy the muffins. Yeah. <laughs> that's coming from a very negative place. And like, if it's been long enough that I can recognize that um, and know that, yeah, I think taking the opposite action can actually be you know, what, it stops that kind of yeah. in its tracks. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and I said that because we're sitting here with coffee and a bag of, of muffins from the uh, the bakery down the road. <laughs> um, I'm curious, I mean, you're, you're still incredibly, you look like those athletes that you were describing mm -hmm. earlier, you know, like you are a performance climber, your body composition's great, you're lean, you're muscular. How do you how do you think about balancing that now? That's an ongoing struggle for me because mm -hmm. I still want to, I, I feel like I need to be careful even with myself here about how I say this, but sure. I, I still want to optimize my body for the performance that I want to do, you know? Right. And how I understand, my understanding of what is optimal is much different and much healthier than it was a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's great. But but I still am kind of trying to figure out like, what's my e eating strategy? Like, how do I do this? How do I feel awesome, um, you know, perform really well and be happy, you know, all, right. all the things. How, do you, how are you managing that at this point? I really try hard to focus on the actions that I can take in climbing and really trying to let those be kind of like the driver of what I do. I think if you're giving, if you're giving your body like what, what your goal is, if you're giving your body the steps to get to that goal, like if you're, if you're bouldering cause you want to do a hard boulder problem or you're, you know, doing a lot of rope climbing or circuits because you want to send a hard route. I think that is honestly like the best thing to focus on. And I think everything from there will kind of fall into place mm. um, is really how I try to think about it. Your body's um, got it. Your body's got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're not giving your body what it needs to be able to do those things, to set you up, to achieve a goal, that's just not going to work like that. Mm. Um, but if you're, I think if you're listening to your body and you're, you know, honoring your hunger, things like that, um, you know, you know, fueling for your training sessions, I think, yeah, just like having trust in your body that all those things will align. Mm. Um, 
and I think in my experience, it's kind of worked out that way. Mm. Um, and your, you know, your body will always go through ebbs and flows, but knowing that if you're going through the process of training and, you know, wanting to climb and improve at climbing, I think really just being okay with the fact that, I don't know, maybe you don't know specifically what your body's doing, but it will catch up and it will like, it will do what you want it to do. Mm. Yeah. If you're giving it what it's asking for. Mm. Yeah. That's kind of been my thought process. That's um, been working out. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. Thanks for sharing all of that. I think that, um, of course, there are a lot of tidbits in there <laughs> and there's <laughs> a lot of so. people listening. So I think, I think one of them is going to connect. <laughs> Hopefully that was my goal. That was my goal. Probably, probably a lot more than that. Yeah. Probably a lot more than that. Cool. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you more about your sport climbing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you're out here, you've had an amazing bouldering trip. You've done hard, tons of hard stuff. Um, multiple V13s, you just did uh, white noise. Uh, you had a really successful sport climbing trip earlier this year too. You were climbing with Drew Mack and um, I think that's how we connected. I was talking with Drew when you guys were hanging out in Vegas. Yeah. And actually just tell me about Arrested Development because that's pretty amazing. Yeah, th <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, that, um, yeah, that was kind of a special like special moment for me, for sure. Um, and I think mostly not to be dark or anything, um, but like leading up to that, I feel, I think I had like a little bit of waiver and kind of like my motivation. I did, um, a competition and it didn't go, go as I expected. Mm. Um, and that definitely like kind of like hurt my motivation for climbing, which I honestly hadn't felt a dip like that in a while. And so it was kind of, it felt kind of odd. And I decided to go to Vegas because I was like, I really, I don't know, I, wa I want to go climbing. Like I want to get, you know, I want to regain that spark. Um, and so I decided to book a ticket and I trained hard for two weeks, three weeks, something like that. Just adding um, more, more circuits? Yeah. Yeah. Circuits, bouldering, like kind of all the things that we talked about, just yeah. trying to like get back into the flow. And when I got there, I still feel like my climbing wasn't connecting as it normally did. Um and it definitely like weighed on my mind a little bit, but I think just being there and I just, I kept trying to put myself in the right places. Um, and then I what think, do you mean? Um, just like trying, trying routes that felt difficult for me. And like, mm. if they didn't go the way I wanted to, like, that's okay. I'll try again, mm. see what happens and trying to be okay with that, which was tough. But then I tried Arrested Development and I think something clicked that day. And the first time up it, I was like, oh, these these moves feel like okay to me. I think they fit my style. Um, this route's super cool. And um, I was like instantly psyched. And I was like, I would love to do this, this trip. Um, <laughs> and then it was weird. I feel like I was able to get into this like nice kind of like flow state mindset when I pulled on the wall and um, felt like I wasn't thinking too much and was somehow able to climb to the top on my second try. Wow. Um, and I think that was a really like special moment um, in terms of knowing that you do have these dips and you are able to come out of them and come out of them like stronger. Like I don't think I've done a route of that grade um, that quickly before. 
Um, mm. And I think from there, I've definitely, especially into this trip, still kept that. I still feel like I have a little bit of that same mindset, which has been really cool. Um, mm. Also, that route's sick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, for people listening, I'd always heard of it as a 14D up at Charleston. It's just like this kind of steep belly. It's a really striking line. There's not a ton of holds on that part of the wall. It's just a few pockets kind of spaced out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I noticed you gave it 14C. Is that just because you did it second try? <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I guess may, maybe maybe five years down the line, I'll have um, a larger larger tick list and I can go back and really parse that apart. But yeah. I don't know. That's just what it felt to me. I don't know if I just like clicked perfectly that time. or. But at the moment, that's that's what it felt like in that's my amazing. head. Um, but yeah, that was that was a special special route for sure. Do you remember like what are what are you telling yourself or where where are you trying to put your mind and your mindset as you're tying in for that second go? Mm. Um, I feel like that one was a little bit different in terms of I didn't have too many expectations. Yeah. Um, but I think really not. It wasn't as I was tying in, but kind of as I started climbing. I think those thoughts of like, oh, maybe you could, maybe you could just do it this try. Like you're feeling good. I think just trying to really like calm those down mm. and being in the present moment. Um, I guess kind of like what I was saying earlier of like thoughts pop in and like observing them, and you don't necessarily need to do something with them. You don't need to say if they're good or bad. Um, and I felt that yesterday on white noise as well. I mm. started to get really anxious, and I just was noticing like. Why, why are you like, I'm having these thoughts of like, oh, you'll get through the crux, but your foot will pop. Hmm. Um, and just being like, you don't need to listen to those. Just kind of just like calm those and just like keep executing what you know how to do. Cause I knew all the moves and I knew what to do. Um, I don't know, but I think it's easy to let those, or that happens all the time when you have those negative thoughts pop in you're like, oh, I wasn't really pumped, but I some, somehow I fell or like almost like knocked myself off the wall in some weird way. Um, I know. Yeah. So just like with that route, it was just trying to just calm the mind, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Do you practice, do you have like a mindfulness or meditation practice? I don't really. Okay. Um, it's, it sounds exactly like mindfulness. Like I, yeah. I often practice mindfulness and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what you, that's what you're doing. It's just in in my recovery process, I think that was like a huge part of helping me get better. Mm. Um, was yeah, kind of just taking that mindful approach. And I don't necessarily have a practice at the moment, um, but I do still like that kind of mindset of like observing is still like I think very big for mm. me. Um, and when I'm feeling the best, like feeling the happiest and the most flowy, I think I am kind of using that sort of mindset. Mm. Yeah. But not necessarily. I don't, I haven't like meditated or maybe I have, but not, not recently. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm wondering what you hope to achieve in your climbing. And I'd love to ask you a question that Steve Bechtel once asked me, which is, mm. if you could only do one more hard rock climb in your life, what would it be? Ooh, have some heavy hitters on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feel free to feel free to share more than one. Yeah, of it's course. Just a fun question, but 
Um, I was actually kind of talking about this yesterday, actually, of like what would be, you know, a pinnacle or like what do you you feel like your ability could be? Mm. Um, I don't know. The first route that popped in my head was Perfecto Mundo. Oh, amazing. No, it just looks like super endurancey and fitnessy, but also like just really hard. Um, that one certainly inspires me. Um, but I think also a more broad answer might be climbing something that I clip the chains or I top out the boulder and I feel like, damn, that was pretty close to my limit. Mm. Or I put so many tries and efforts into this and almost threw in the towel so many times that if like that's as close as you, I think you'll always have that like oh I could do harder, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it would be awesome in climbing to do something where you're like, damn that was pretty close, <laughs> like yeah. that was pretty close to the limit. Um, so I don't know. I'd like to find that one day. That's a really good answer. Thanks. <laughs> I want that too. <laughs> that's what everybody wants, right? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. really cool. Awesome. Can you describe one of the happiest moments in your life as a climber? I was actually, I was thinking about this on the way over. Um, and I guess it's kind of also a, a two, like a theoretical answer and an actual answer. Okay. Um, I don't know. Any, any moment where that click kind of happens is where I feel like I find the most joy in rock climbing. Hmm. Um, and they could be few and far between, or it could happen quite often. But um, days like Arrested Development or something like that, where I don't know, everything flows and it's like all that you've been working for kind of comes into this one moment and it just clicks. That in climbing fills me with the most joy, I think. And I think that's the like what I'm searching for. Mm. Um, I don't know. And you can you can keep searching for a while. And then, you know, those moments will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's why people play golf. They're, <laughs> they're searching for that, like, one perfect round or something. Never find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or one perfect hole. And then you're like, oh, I should be able to do that every time. I think that is such a special thing in, in life and in climbing. And, um, yeah, I've definitely had that a couple times. And it's it's enough mm-hmm. to, to keep you chasing it for the rest of your life. That's what fuels the addiction. <laughs> yeah. 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 Really I, yeah. Amazing. I think I've just had a few of those in competition and outdoor climbing. And so I think, I guess I would say all of, all of those experiences where it just flows and clicks and mm. feels like the best thing in the world. Do you have a favorite rock type to climb on? Southern sandstone. Okay. <laughs> Probably. I guess I'm definitely I've never, partial. I've never done it, man. That's, oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Got to come to the south for sure. The boulders or? Um, I would say yeah, the bouldering is pretty spectacular. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely partial to the red. Okay. Um, yeah. I still, wherever I go, I still like red is home and it still has some of the best routes that I've climbed on. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's It's really cool though to be traveling a little more lately and climbing on different types of rock. Um, God, like when I went to Spain and started climbing on limestone for the first time, it was like, it's like, this is not the Red River Gorge. <laughs> like these feet are horrible. <laughs> yeah. They're like, there's not just feet everywhere, hold choices everywhere. Um, I don't know. It's slippery. It? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say sandstone, but like 
I don't know. I'm definitely learning. The more different types of rock I climb on, the more I'm learning. Mm. Yeah, which is cool. What is your go-to pair of climbing shoes if you could only pick one pair or one model? I've been a solution guy since my third pair of climbing shoes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you use them for everything? Um, I almost use them for everything. I think pretty much uh, most of my... Uh, hard ascents wow. for myself. Um, I think I have worn those shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the high angles as well. Okay, those are those are cool. Um, I'm sure those those are a little bit better for maybe like competitions and jumping around on volumes and stuff. Okay, um, but yeah, I don't know. That's the shoe that I started almost climbing in, and like I don't know. I feel a little funky in anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also the same size that I started. Like, okay, when I got them when I was 14, I think I. <laughs> I might actually wear smaller now, which wow. is maybe not good, but yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, what size are your street shoes and what size are your solutions? Like 10 and a half for 11, I think, for street shoes. And oh then boy. I guess um, it's like six and a half or something in solution. What's the Euro number? 38 and a half. 38 and a half? Yeah, people... <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Wow. I've had some foot binding going on for the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's incredible. I wear... Yeah like an eight and a half street and I wear 39 and a half solutions and those are tight. Like I can't, mm. if I'm sport climbing, like yeah, those, especially if it's warm, my feet are killing me. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a tear running down my face when I first put them on, but <laughs> and the feet get used to them. <laughs> okay. I just yeah. got to suck it up. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, man. No. Do you have any weird or quirky habits that you do on a climbing day that other people don't do? Hmm. Weird or quirky habits. Yeah. Um, Any like rituals or anything like that on a climbing day? I really started having the habit of like, I would say to myself, I'm like, quote unquote, warming up my technique. Mm. I don't know if that's um, like a common practice, but I am definitely like consciously really trying to stand on small feet, like work my heels down you know, trying to be in the right part of my toe, all these little things, throwing heel hooks, toe hooks. Um, I feel like as I was getting back into the climbing, I started like kind of bringing that into my practice and being like, I'm just going to do a V zero, but I'm going to move my feet like as crazy as I can and try to make it all controlled and like just warm up my technique. Hmm. Um, I like that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that. I think that's cool. I think I do that too. I think I always feel like I need to warm up my brain for climbing mm-hmm. and not just my forearms. And yeah, it's like and you stuff. almost got to warm that up first and then you can mm-hmm. like warm up the body. Hmm. Yeah, but you know, I don't have any like got to put the right right shoe on first or anything like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Plastic bag to fit on your 38 and a half solutions or anything. That's a necessity. <laughs> necessity for sure. <laughs> Uh, it's funny people are gonna think that's a joke, but it's not. <laughs> it's the key. <laughs> um, let's see here. What else we got? What do you What do you hope? How much long is your trip here? Um, it's still a little bit undecided. I drove out, so I guess I can. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I've just nice. I plan to. Uh... Oh, because it's you're in school, so you're on summer break. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually I'm starting a class this week, but okay. um, it'll be okay to just keep climbing. It'll give me something to do on rest days. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess I kind of just had the plan of like seeing how seeing how things were going. Nice. Um, but yeah, after after yesterday, I'm definitely psyched to I don't know maybe try to lock into something something harder out here. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was my next question is what do you, what do you hope to accomplish still with your trip? Yeah. Time to reassess and. I think so. Yeah. I'm definitely psyched to, I'm always so psyched when I just like have the opportunity to sample and see, see what I get psyched on. Um, I tried the creature from the Black Lagoon the other night and it felt. Me 16. Yeah. It felt quite hard. Uh Um, but also (laughs) like. I don't know. It, it was like super fun to climb on, and maybe nice. if I go up there enough days, um, so I could start piecing things together. So um, I have that thought in my head, but um, I haven't been to Lincoln Lake yet, and mm. um, I'm excited to see kind of like what that's like too. And yeah, maybe I'll find something there that I want to commit to for the rest of the trip. Cool. Yeah. Exciting. Um, what are you going to school for? Um. I am going to school right now for software development. Okay. Um, definitely still in the early stages, but um, I kind of, after high school, I got, I was in and out of like school and that sort of thing. And that's always been like a life goal of mine to kind of get back into that. Um, just cause I, I don't know, wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. Cause it's always been like a hard challenge for me. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm super feel like I'm super ADD and all over the place sometimes, which is why huh. climbing really works for me because I can just like get out all my, uh, my fans and I call it my yayas. Because <laughs> I, I can't really like sit down and do school stuff until I've like climbed. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm, it's been really cool to like get back into it being a little bit more ch- mature, I think, and having a new mindset. Um, and it like offers a different kind of challenge that has been sweet so far. Mm-hmm. It supports a life of climbing well too. I know a lot of people that that work in software. Yeah, that, that was climb at a really high level. Yeah, that was another like inspiration as well. It's like I meet a lot of people that are like, yeah, I'm working remotely and mm. able to climb. So that's definitely that. Would, I think that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any aspirations of being a pro climber? I definitely do. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think. Because some people don't like it's it sounds like a really like no brainer question, but yeah, yeah, you, they still work. Like pros still work. They're ambassadors for brands and ambassadors right. of the sport, and it's a different job. It's a very different job than like being able mm-hmm. to just open up your laptop and do your work and then put your work away and go climbing. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm I curious how you think about that. Yeah, I would say that I think the life of a pro climber almost seems. Um, very hard in a way of like being away all the time, always traveling. Um, I think that's kind of like a skill in itself. Mm. One that I've never, I've always taken just shorter trips, weekend trips, um, never really stayed in an area for too long. Um, and so I think that, you know, it it is like a harder thing to maybe fit in with the lifestyle that I've just gotten used to or like my level of comfortability with those things. Um, but Certainly if the opportunity, you know, arises or, you know, things kind of align, then um, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I'm stoked to just like, yeah, be being able to do do more at the moment. <laughs> if anyone from Sportiva is listening, this guy's <laughs> a size 38 and a half solutions, man. <laughs> yeah. Include the plastic bags, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks so much, man. This has been an incredible conversation. It's been thanks. really fun to hang out with you for the last few days and see you climb and have some conversations and now to uh, 
hear more about your your climbing, your training, and then um, this you know darker chapter of your life and the struggle and what's come out of that, and the the fact that you're willing to sit down and and share that stuff, I think, is an incredible gift to everyone listening. So yeah, thank you so much, and like thank you. Same to you for like being vulnerable of opening up about these sort of things. I think that's a, a huge a huge thing, and it's been awesome to like sit down and. Yeah, talk about that and training and everything. So yeah, thank you. No, thanks, man. I, I I feel the same as you. It's like it's already it's already happened. So you know the the way to make it something positive is to hopefully help other people avoid the same pitfalls that I fell into. And same thing with training. You know, like I want to help people avoid the mistakes that I made for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, that that probably prolonged my my progress. So. Yeah, hopefully all this stuff helps. Um, I hope, yes. I always ask this question, what is something that you've been feeling especially grateful for lately? Honestly, just the people that I have in my life. Um, I don't know. I definitely feel being out here with friends. um, I feel very grateful to have those meaningful connections. And I think... Sometimes I feel like that's like kind of what life revolves around. Mm. Um, so I, I definitely feel very grateful for that at the moment, just having the best friends and family and loved ones. And yeah, it makes everything special. Amazing. Cheers, dude. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Shake it up, stop when the clock gets 13 You've been working, but you're flirting With the weekend, you can freak out One in a million You're a gem shine when the light grows dim Sing one, two